The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think all place pots are the same? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk. Yep, Emmett Kennedy with you alongside Lee McKenzie of TalkSport 2. It's been so long, Lee, since we spoke. <laughs> yep, at least, um, what should we say, 30 minutes, maybe slightly more. <laughs> maybe maybe 40, maybe 40. Uh, TalkSport 2 racing coverage Wednesday through Saturday. Uh, Lee McKenzie in the hot seat. Check it out. Um, am I in the hot seat next week or is it two weeks' time? We're going to definitely get you back into the hot seat turn up the temperature a bit uh, as well for you, uh, Emmett. Uh, we'll have you on next week, we hope, um, as um, uh, a pundit, uh, uh, tipping winner after winner, as usual, and giving a thoughtful and insightful analysis into the races as well. Um, 50 but, quid uh, on yeah, the way for that. Thanks, mate. Thank you. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you do a sterling job too on the on the days when uh, you're in the hot seat as well, on days when I find it just a little bit too hot and have to vacate it for a few days. Uh... Yeah. No, no, nobody, nobody does it quite lightly, McKenzie. And uh, you can hear him uh, Wednesdays, as I said, through Saturdays. Talk Sport Two. It's essential listening uh, from one p.m. We had a lot of crack today, and uh, some big name guests as well, as per usual. Uh, we are looking ahead to the live television action on the weekend. Uh, the headline act, of course, is the North, who will be the king of the North, as we continue to do old Game of Thrones references. Uh, for the Air Gold Cup, but we'll start with the 155, the Virgin Bet Duneside Cup Stakes listed race. I almost went Scottish, and then just halfway through it went, no, don't do it. Um, ground is going to be good to firm by the sounds of things, uh, so uh, that was the end of Adeyeb uh, being challenging here. Any any prospect of him turning up uh, sort of ended with that uh, current going. So um, we are left with one Elcano, Yukon uh, Glen, who of course would be a very popular winner up there, uh, Maidani, and uh, Juan Montaban, uh, having his second start for uh, David O'Mara. Um, Juan Elcano, just off air briefly, the two of us were discussing Kevin Ryan's charge, and uh, I think we're both in the same camp here that he's going to take all the beating. Yeah, I think uh, this is a kind of race which uh, I would always start off with the uh, official ratings of the horse and it gives me a a, a direct uh, route to which ones are most likely to win and obviously i think there are two that stand out here uh you can glenn and juan elcano the, the the big difference is that juan elcano uh went for a group one last time out uh, the job on international and okay he was well beaten in that uh, but uh, at least he was aimed at it that was the important thing that uh, trainer kevin ryan thought he was worth a go in this uh whereas i couldn't imagine a uh, lovable horse though he is you uh, can Glenn ever uh, running against the likes of Mishriff uh, and his trainer, Jim Goldie, uh, expecting him to even finish in the first three, let alone actually win. Um, I am the greatest admirer of Yukon Glenn, and he has surprised me time after time. Here he is at the age of eight, uh, still winning. I think you could say he's actually better than ever. And his versatility is as good as his... Uh, ability, you know, we, we know he's a very good horse, but it's also winning over a wide range of distances as well, which I never thought he was capable of. But I, I think in here, Juan Elcano, out of his depth last time out, back to a more manageable kind of race. And I think the others, although they may be very good handicappers, and I do mean very good handicappers, you've got horses in there rated uh, uh, over 100, and that, that makes them extremely good horses. But uh, as you know, hard horses to win with very often, humping an enormous weight in a, in a top handicap or trying to win in, in this sort of company here. So I'm going to go for Juan Elcano. I think this is absolutely the right opportunity for him here. Yeah, I completely and totally agree with you. Um, I think he's just... Look, I, I love Yukon Glenn as well, but I think he's the, the best horse in the race and he's just been transformed this season uh, by that wind operation. And um, he's been a, a completely different proposition since we saw him uh, particularly at, at Royal Ascot when he beat uh, Patrick Sarsfield. Um, you know, that was... that was um, I know Patrick Sarsfield was absolutely thrashed in the Irish Champion Stakes, but a bit like... Uh, a bit like Yukon Glenn, there's... there's there's nothing of Mishriff or St. Mark's Basilica's uh, class in this race. And uh, Juan Elcano will take the world of beating, I think, in the 155 at air. So we're both in agreement there. Uh, we switch tracks. We go to Newbury, 
for the 215 were Cadam uh, for Shadwell Estates, which is going to be significantly reduced. Uh, the breaking news that we covered on TalkSport 2 today as we record on Thursday. So Shadwell's uh, investment and um, the amount of horses that they have in training is all going to be scaled down drastically. Uh, They will be selling horses in training. They will be uh, taking a a long, hard look at the uh, two-year-olds that they have and deciding what to do with them, uh, it looks as though some of a lot of those are going to be sold as well, uh, and it looks as though they'll be taking a long hard look at their stallion roster too, and, and the breeding interests. So that's going to be a, a devastating blow. We kind of knew it was coming because you could see it with the way they shut down operations in South Africa and Australia. It was impossible to imagine that they wouldn't do anything at all in the UK and Ireland, but it's, it is going to be a devastating blow for both jurisdictions and um, the French particularly as well uh, will we'll really feel this. And ironically, there was a Shadwell winner in France today at Paris Longchamp, but um, yeah, those famous colours, we hopefully we'll still see them and hopefully they'll still have a, a good presence, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be anywhere near the significance uh, that it has been over the years. Um what do you make of worrying the- for worrying for Jim Crowley as well, the jockey, of course, because he, he's first jockey to them in, in Britain, and and, uh, and Dane O'Neill is their their second jockey, and between them they've dovetailed beautifully. You know, Dane occasionally gets a, the opportunity in a big race, but I think Jim has really clicked in the last couple of years. They they've actually had uh, a good last two or three years, and they've had some really lovely horses. They got some too. By Yid, for example, <laughs> I mean he's something else, isn't he? Going on to next year, and it'd be interesting to see whether they decide to, to keep these potentially very valuable horses, just reduce uh, the the number of them, or whether they think that some of these are, are going to be worth so much money, you might as well um, uh, sell them while you can. Uh, it, it, it'd be shocking, wouldn't it, to, to think that those famous colours of the late Sheikh Hamdan El Maktoum won't be around at all. Uh, in future, it doesn't sound like that's the plan at the moment. But uh, how many of them will they keep? That's uh, it. We're in, uh, I think, a changing world, and we're in a changing racing world too. So uh, I'm hoping that the, the the colours do stick around, and we continue to see them. And it, it does sound as if that is the plan. But let's see where we go from here. Yeah, yeah. it was the phrase "substantial number of horses to be sold" as part of restructuring. That was the that was the thing that worried me most. You know, at least they're not. At least it's not the same as their statement when they said disbanding uh, operations. You know, they're not gone, but um, it's it's worrying times though, and it's it's just it's just worrying times for for trainers and for jockeys. I think Jim Crowley will be fine. Dane, what what position he falls into within the ranks now will will probably be a different story, but. Um, you know, is, is he going to have like a retainership to be second jockey? Maybe, maybe they, they'll still need a second jockey. We have to wait and see how many of these horses they're going to sell. But um, are are they going to be active at the sales? Probably not. Um, mm. And of course, they, they, whether or not need, they need a second jockey depends on on just how many clashing meetings there are. Of course, because if currently if Jim's at one, then they may be at the other. They're is talk as you know this week of uh, there being more Saturday meetings uh, next year because that's Britain. what we need. Uh, yeah, indeed. not enough of those around at the moment, are there? Lots of Super Saturdays. We should uh, get very excited about that. I'm sure we've already got Super Saturday, so we can have Special Saturday and Sensational Saturday and um, and any other words beginning with S that go in a, a alliteration kind of way with the word Saturday. Um, but um, and also. If they improve the quality of Sunday racing, which is also being talked about, will it be? Is it possible that um, you might have the say Jim might have to go to France to ride there, and that would give Dane a chance in this country? But I just can't see that there are going to be uh, enough horses around for for them to need to to do that on a regular basis. I, you know, we were talking to Dane O'Neill actually yesterday on um, completely coincidentally on uh, on Wednesday on Talks right, Two yeah. and and talking about his uh, his career and these famous uh, colours and he's done a very a steady job you know he's Mr Dependable he's there and he's been happy to accept uh, the, the number two job there first of all behind Paul Hannigan and then Jim Crowley came in 
I suppose Day might have thought that with, with Paul Hannigan gone, he might have got the number one job, but Jim came in above him, but he's never complained and he's had some uh, excellent rides and uh, and he, he's uh, a, a very valuable member of the team. But uh, will he still be there next year? It, uh, if they reduce their, their numbers in the way that... Uh, uh, has been suggested it may be that they don't need a second jockey they, like, they might still have Jim there uh, and then choose from the pool of all the other jockeys around uh, if they need a second one I suppose Qatar Racing have only had um, 72 runners in the UK this season obviously Oshin Murphy is their contracted jockey but they still have the deal with um, young Kieran Fallon mm. so mm. so maybe they would do something like that with, with Dane then that they will want to they wouldn't want to risk it and and they want to keep him but it's just there's a part of me is 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 slightly concerned and a little bit worried about that with um how all this is going to play out but um it's it's a more worrying time for i think whatever about dane and um and i think i'm sure jim crowley will be fine and i think dane will probably be fine as well but it there are trainers who are going to be thinking damn we were full sure we'd be having all those training fees next season and now we're not. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting time. And does somebody step in? Does someone come from the clouds and step in? Because this, this has happened before we've had new investors suddenly get involved in the sport, but um, we'll have to wait and see how it all uh, pans out. Uh, What do you make of the, Dubai International Airport World Trophy Stakes, which Shadwell Estate have the favourite for in Kadim. I found this race really hard. I think there are a lot of horses in here that are very well matched. And if you look at their form figures, you'll see they're not, even though they're high-class horses, uh, Group 3, they're not particularly significantly what I want. And there's a horse called significantly in the race, actually, which is, <laughs> right, yeah. funnily enough, funnily enough, I had a bit of a soft spot for him, didn't I? And the Beverly Bullet a few weeks back got on yeah. the podcast. And and I did this whole spiel about how he was going to flash out, neither make the running or or chase the leader. And then that would be good because he'd be out of trouble. And then the stalls opened in the race itself. And uh, he was left five legs at the start. And that was that. So it, it was a brilliant piece of theory by me. But unfortunately, on the day, uh, it was all over after about the first three seconds. Um, having said that, I did think significantly will win a decent race sometime when he comes out uh, of the stall sensibly. But he is looking back through his form. He does miss the start every now and then. So he, he's always a bit of a risk. And in any case, he may not be good enough to win this anyway. Tis marvellous. Uh, he actually won that race in the end. I think he's better with an uphill finish, though, you know, Emmett. So you, you look, he's very good at Ascot, for example, and Beverly that day. A stiff finish really suits his marvellous. And at Newbury, of course, it's perfectly flat. And I think Kingsley would have a bit of a chance of, for, the, for the Queen if he comes back to some kind of form. Slightly disappointing last time. And Hurricane Ivor, uh, winner of the Portland last week, wasn't it? So getting up in the last stride. I mean, is he really what I would call a, a, a really speedy five furlong horse and a flat five furlongs? Is that what Hurricane Ivor does best? So I'm going to go for Moss Gill. Uh, and he's got blinkers on for the first time and never particularly enamoured by headgear. And first time, I know it can work brilliantly, but equally, I just don't like to see it. But uh, on his day, he's actually a seriously good sprinter. I remember uh, three lengths behind Batash in one of his races. So he, uh, I know Batash was a bit unpredictable himself, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, any horse that gets within three lengths of Batash uh, when that horse was at his peak is good enough uh, uh, to be worth considering. So I'm going to go for Moss Gill. I am taking a bit of a chance here because although he runs well most of the time, every now and then he, he puts in an absolute stinker. But I, I think he's good enough to win this at his best. I would agree that at his best, he's good enough to win this race. Um, we'll have to see what kind of effect the first time blinkers had on, have them on, on them um i'm actually with the queen here i'm with uh king's lynn for oshin murphy and, and andrew balding and it's interesting that william buick is on board significantly uh for carl burke because buick is obviously banging in the winners and uh trying to chase down what did we work it out today is it was it's an eight 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 gap now between him and uh mm, and oshin uh, so i think it's down to seven uh, at the time when Ooh. we're talking now and it's looking potentially interesting because there's no doubt that, that William has said to his uh, agent 
I want as many winners as possible because I'd like to be champion jockey. He did actually say memorably a couple of months ago, for him, it's everything. You think of all the races, the massive races that he's won around the world. You would think for a jockey winning the Derby, for example, would be as good as you could possibly get. And But he said, no, champion jockey is the number one thing that can happen to me. And with a month of the season left and he's within touching distance of a sheet, and I do think, uh, actually, he, he may even give up opportunities uh, to ride biggish race winners. I'm not talking about Godolphin, obviously, because um, he, he has to ride for, for uh, uh, Charlie Appleby if the opportunity comes up. Um, but I think he may even give up certain opportunities to ride decent horses in terms of quantity for the rest of the season, which would be quite remarkable, wouldn't it? He wants that championship. Well, I know of a jockey who... This won't be hard to work out. Who came back to the UK, and um, the bookings he were get, he was getting weren't up to standard, shall we say? And uh, he was saying, "What the hell?" And the agent said, "Buick's going for the trainer title. Uh, trainer title. Uh, Buick's going for the jockeys championship. What do you expect?" So there you go. That, and that was last season. And, and he's actually. Mm-hmm. There's two things to say. He's clipped it down to to six, so he he banged in another winner today. So it's six now between him and Oshin, and Charlie has sent horses to Canada for the Group Ones over the weekends. The Woodbine International at the weekend, and there's four Group One races, and uh, he ain't running in any of them. He's staying. Wow. He's staying in the yeah. UK. So he's he's uh, he's letting Frankie Dettori go over and potentially be doing flying dismounts for the Canadians, uh, which I'm sure, of course, they'll absolutely love. But it's uh, interesting times, and um, he's got a couple of short price favourites tomorrow as well. So uh, He wants that title, but I would also say it's a two-way thing because I think uh, his trainer, um, his uh, agent is getting him on as many horses that have got a sporting chance of victory as he possibly can. But equally... I do think in the last couple of years, William has improved so much now. He can be considered a top-class jockey. I mean, you may say, oh, come on, John Gosden gave him a job a decade ago, and then he got the job at uh, Godolphin. He was a top-class jockey then. But I think in the last two years, he has become exceptional now, and he will enhance the chance of any horse that he gets on as well. So not only has he got his agent looking for horses that could win, he will actually improve their chance of winning uh, just because he's been booked for them. And I, I, he is a jockey now that I look, particularly for trainers that he wouldn't normally ride for, uh, if I see him jocked up. And I'm talking about proper horses. You know, I'm, I don't think you're going to see him on some um, old um, warrior uh, from the past who's slogging around the country tracks um, and doing its best, but is going to finish five minutes behind everything else. You, you're not going to see William Buell. It's not a case of just get me any horse I'll ride anything in the hope that uh, that some of them might just win by accident. Um, William Buick is is going to be riding horses with a a good chance, horses of quality, but he will actually make their chance even better. So that's a great combination. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And it applies also to our good friend, uh, Oshin Murphy, because he's not going to stop. And uh, and he wants it as well. He desperately wants to be champion jockey again. So... um, yeah, we'll we'll see how all of this pans out. And of course, the the man that he is partnering at Kingsling for is Andrew Balding, and he wants to be champion trainer. And uh, Charlie Appleby very much wants to be champion trainer as well. So it's, um, it's all looking good. Oh, we're set for some interesting talking points throughout the rest of the season. There's no doubt about that. But uh, yeah, their mounts are going to be um, fascinating, and the fact that they're both at Newbury just means uh, it'll be pretty interesting on on Saturday. Right, we'll go back to air. Uh, This is the Virgin Bet Air Silver Cup where Blackrod currently heads the betting with uh, Billy Garrity on board from Michael Dodds, claiming three, very valuable, three pounds as well. Hector Crouch for Clive Cox on Royal Scimitar, eight to one, uh, quite like him. As a spoiler alert, a magical spirit, Kevin Stott and uh, Kevin Ryan, uh, tens, and uh, then you're looking at Bergerac, uh, a winner last time out for Kevin Ryan, well-placed, and he's also got Rathbone for Oshin McSweeney. Um, 
little bit of a issue for the commentator there. Good luck, Simon Holt, as uh, they've <laughs> got the exact same colours. Uh, Silver Cup, so this is the consolation race for the big race of the day. Who do you think wins it? I, I feel the love for Black Rod. I understand that. Improving rapidly. Young horse could be even better uh, than he's shown so far. He's on a rapid upward curve. I get that. He's, he, he's, he's not the sort of horse that I look for in a race like this because I like a battle-hardened, uh, regular performer in these big field uh, six furlong handicap. So they Wokingham, uh, Stewart's Cup, Air Gold Cup, Air Silver Cup, whatever. Um, so Black Rod, yes, I, I understand that entirely. But I'm going to look elsewhere. And I actually found this whole, this race quite hard um, because there wasn't anything that really ticked every box for me. I'm looking for a horse that is happy in a field of 20-odd and has done it before. Also, uh, a horse that is at its best on fast ground. Now, good to firm at the time of speaking. It may be good uh, by the time the race gets underway, but I don't think we're expecting a huge amount of rain. There might be a little bit of rain uh, in the area, but I don't think we're looking for a deluge here. So I don't think it's going to be any worse than good. And there were other horses that have either been out of form too high in the weights, haven't shown enough in the type of race that this is. I, I always think, yeah, okay, from a handicapping point of view, it, it may have won a five-runner race at Kempton, but what has that got to do with the Air Silver Cup? It's a completely different thing. Uh, and uh, I, I know that people get to vote as a handicap, marks, and um, I, it's a, a good framework for deciding which horses are, are well in at the weights, but I'd far rather come from the other direction and say which horses are suited to this kind of test and which ones are in reasonably good form. I do understand that sometimes horses lose their form. They're now well handicapped. And so get in now, but I do like to have seen that they're still doing something. You know, if mm. the last form was 18 months ago, it doesn't matter how well handicapped it is. I'm not going to be tipping it. And um, so I've come down and it's a, it might be a slightly curious one for you. Total commitment. Who is trained by Simon Hodgson. Now, 20 to he, one. Hmm. He took over the stable uh, run by Peter Hedger, who often used to have, Peter's still there, very much part of the setup, but so he stood down, Simon took over. He was his assistant trainer for, for a number of years. And uh, Total Commitment is exactly the sort of horse that Peter Hedger would have run in a race like this. And I'm sure he's there uh, behind the scenes talking to Simon about exactly what he would have done. And although a lot of his form is actually on the all-weather, he ran really well to finish fourth, Last time out, he's happy in a big field. I think ideally I would have liked good to soft ground and I wouldn't normally make an, ex an exception, but it does look to me as if he's been laid out for this. He's quite high in the weights, but William Carver will take three pounds off. I, I don't normally say because there's an apprentice on board, three pounds off. Therefore, it's three pounds lower than it's actually carrying because there's a reason why the, the apprentice is taking off three pounds and it may well be that in a field of this size that you'd rather have an experienced jockey and not have the three pounds off but william's good actually i used to um at point to point so i used to see william riding a lot in um in pony races uh, before mm. the point to points take place at often two or three pony races and a few years ago when he was say, about 14 or 15 at the time and i used to think whenever william carver was like this kid is different class from everybody else in this pony race he was destined to be a good jockey and so i'm going to stick with him i'm delighted to see that he's done so well he's ridden 50 winners now and um and i think he'll continue to improve i don't think he's quite the finished article yet but he will continue to improve so i'm going to go for total commitment at a big price and He's drawn 24, which I think may be a help. It may be better to be middle to stand side. But having said that, I'm never completely convinced uh, by the, 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 the draw in the air, silver and, uh, and gold cup until I've actually seen the race. And of course, by then it's too late, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. People will, will be saying that. Why aren't you asking about the draw? When it comes to air, it's like up in the literally up in the air but obviously the different word um we've had winners from 4 23 8 26 4 20 uh 8 21 come on you know mm. there's there's no point there's no point in debating about the draw right I think, now 
And sometimes it's dangerous to see how they go in, say, the Silver Cup and say, oh, well, that's how it's going to work out in the Gold Cup because they're oh. an hour later <laughs> and suddenly it's completely swapped round again. So I think, um, and I did say this a few weeks back in, in a, another similar race, that sometimes you just have to accept if you try working on the base of the draw, then you're going to make things too complicated. So. Uh, do it on the basis of whether you think the horse is the right horse to win the race. And if it turns out that all the pace is on the other side and it gets beaten, you just have to uh, take the hit, don't you? That, that's how yeah. I feel about it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, we're back to Newbury, where the ground there is good to soft. Uh, this time we are looking at the 250. It's the Dubai Duty Free Legacy Cup Stakes, formerly the ARC Trial. I don't think any horse in recent years has uh, come out of this to go and actually run any sort of big race to go and win the arc. So it's they just decided to then remove the arc trial and then put it in brackets as formally the arc <laughs> trial. Uh, so Alassi is a very short price favorite here. And you can see why, uh, again, Shadwell Estate may be having a winner. Uh, he This is his first run after a gelding operation. Uh, Jim Crowley, of course, on board. And... <laughs> Narrow defeats to Pile Driver in the Coronation Cup. Uh, narrow defeat to the, unfortunately, had to be retired, I'm pretty sure, um, Sir Ron Priestley, mm. uh, which is a, a terrible shame um, because that was a horse of, of real promise and one of Lucy Russell Hughes's favorite horses as well. Uh, but if he's back to anything like that kind of form and if the gelding operation has had the effect, well, then Al Assi wins here, surely. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, I thought that Al Arsi in the Coronation Cup you mentioned, you know, it's another Group One, isn't it? You mm. you can't knock it. And uh, when he was second uh, in that race, there I thought this horse is destined to win a big race before too long. He went to Newmarket the, the um, on the July course um, next time out. I thought he could not be beaten that day. I thought he went off two to one on. And uh, Sir Ron Priestley just battled on too well for him. And I thought it was the uh, ground was probably a bit too fast for Al Arsi. So it's a bit of a shock he's been gelded. I wonder if the poor horse was protesting. Hang about, it was a fast ground. It was a fast ground. It wasn't, it wasn't anything no, no, else. No, no, no. I, I have a future. It's done. No. <laughs> um, so and I think it's a bit of a shock to find out that he's had the clip now because uh, I thought he could make a, a, a very nice sally in a two course. Now, obviously, those who are close to him know uh, a lot more than I do, and uh, particularly his his owners who would be looking for for future stars in the, the, the stallion world. So they wouldn't have done it without a reason. But uh, if he's anything close uh, to what he did at uh, Epsom, he should win this. No problem. Yeah, I think that sums that up. Nice and simple, really. I would be stunned uh, were he to be beaten. Uh, peas and carrots all over the place, if that's the case. Uh, the 305 at air. Uh, again, this is live on ITV uh, and, of course, racing TV as well. Um, Ger Lyons will be settling headmistress, who is unbeaten in Ireland um, with wins coming at uh, Down Royal. Um, where she won very nicely on debut uh, with a five-pound claimer on board. Colin Keane then took over at the Curra, and uh, this was a listed race and got the better of uh, William McCreary horse and uh, Donnick O'Brien's uh, Orinoco River, who hasn't really shot the lights out as was expected. Uh, but head mistress is unbeaten in two. Uh, Lines having a fantastic time of things. He had a brilliant Irish Champions weekend. Uh, he's a rare enough visitor to the UK these days. He doesn't make a visit over unless he feels he's going to come away with a winner. And um, I suspect that uh, this horse is indeed going to be a winner for him. In fact, he's only had the one runner uh, in the UK this year, and that was uh, Akido, who I think ran at Royal Ascot. Um it was a York. He ran, ran him in York. Uh, he, even skipped, he even skipped Royal Ascot, Jorlines. Uh, so when he sends one over, he means business. And um, I think Headmistress will take this. Yeah, so do I. And, uh, of course, he, he um, memorably won the e-board, didn't he, a couple of years ago as yeah. well. So he's, you know, as you say, he, he's not somebody who sends horses over en masse uh, to run in the hope that they they might be good enough to, to win a race as good as this one. It's a, a group three. 
three. I think he's targeted the race, hasn't he? Uh, the, uh, OK, a form is over five furlongs, not six, but uh, he clearly knows that six furlongs, will, I imagine, will suit her even better than five. Um, I'm looking at the others in the race and I'm just thinking, yeah, they're, they're good. They've set a good standard. And you've got those that around the time of uh, Royal Ascot, you were thinking, yeah, they could go on to be pretty high class horses later in the season. But they've they plateaued a lot of those. They've they come up to that level, but they haven't gone on any more since. Um, this could be a good opportunity for, for one of those. But I prefer to look for an improver. And that is the obvious one, isn't it? And uh, so headmistress for me, uh, relatively unexposed, just two races, two victories. And I would prefer that uh, against all the horses whose form good though it is read like for example three nine two one seven six yeah one 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 is yeah. the sort of form that you need uh, to win a race like this because they always say don't they Emmett, until a horse has been beaten you don't know how good it is exactly and particularly when you've you're coming into the race in the back of a, a listed victory at the curra as well um beautifully bred by the way profitable out of a street crimea uh hala hala athamani I might have got that right, was the horse that uh, I thought was was also interesting for Kevin Ryan. He bolted up uh, on debut. Um, that was at uh, Carlisle. And um, I would be interested in him. He's he's on my... Um, hmm. he's in Another my... one who hasn't been beaten. Okay, it's only one race, but uh, again, one race, one win. Yeah. Um, British's Bar is the same thing for David O'Mara. One race, one win. Uh, I wonder how we moved on from that mid-season form now and we're looking towards next year so horses that haven't been raced too often they've been held back and now they're about to show what they can do rather than the the, the early horses that that were really good two or three months ago they were they were doing fine and it's still there in their official rating isn't it you see horses uh, here these two-year-olds they're, they're rated in the, the the 90s but can they improve enough on that to, to win a a group three uh, as good as this one against unexposed horses who have got a lot more to give that that was my thinking yeah i'd be in agreement with you and i think the fact that um this fellow hala hala Athamani uh, came out in August and Headmistress came out in late July and uh, again in August. I think some of the early season two-year-olds are going to be in for a bit of a fright. And I think we've seen some in recent days, particularly in Ireland, uh, but also in the UK with Godolphin. We're starting to see some back-end juveniles come out that, you know, all of it, like Point, Point Lonsdale's done for the season. And I think Aidan O'Brien's not going to be losing too much sleep over that because I think he's got a few exciting ones coming through. So we'll we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. But uh, we'll move on to the 325 at Newbury. And um, this is uh, Aromatic um, heading the betting for... Or, or Aramac, even, if I decided to not just add a T there, dyslexic yeah. It's a great oh, thing. Can't have, can't have too much tea, Emmett. You can't have too <laughs> much tea. <laughs> nice save. Uh, William Haggis and Tom Marquand uh, teaming up again. Um, Huey Morrison and David Probert have King of Clubs. That's the horse that uh, I like uh, for um, Huey Morrison, 11-2. Uh, the aforementioned Godolphin, Saeed Bin Saror and Ray Dawson uh, with Mohassus uh, is 6-1. to one, And then Charlie Fellows and um, Callum Shepherd have got a horse whose name I will let professional commentator Lee McKenzie pronounce. In, in, shall I go for Injazati? There you go. Inj That's why today's word, paid. mystery word, is Injazati. <laughs> Solve it now, folks. <laughs> and that's why you're paid the big bucks. Uh, solve, <laughs> solve the 325 for I me, my goodness. I didn't say it was right. It was only it was my interpretation of all those letters joined together. I didn't say it was the correct pronunciation. Just, just go with it, man. It's right. It's right. Mackenzie said it. It's right. Go with it. You cracked it. Uh, what, do you, what do you reckon? No, I'm going to be a bit boring here. And I'm going to say Aramak or Aramake however you want to say it, Tom Marquand, William Haggis. It's a horse on an upward curve. Now, what I would normally do in a race like this, if it goes off too short, then I would be looking for a horse to finish in the first three. And maybe a horse like Straight of Hormuz might do it for me there, because I think he's 
he runs some very good races, not completely reliable, but he does catch my eye every mm. now and then. But I'm going to get, I'm, I just couldn't find the right horse to do that fully. And I like Sam Cook, actually, who came back to form at York last time. I tell you what, I don't think I've ever seen a horse dripping with sweat more than Sam Cook in the parade ring wow. uh, at the Ebor meeting. And I actually said to his trainer, Ray Becker, I said, does he always sweat as much as this as he was walking around? And five minutes later, as he came in triumphantly into the winner's enclosure, <laughs> I realised, because <laughs> it wasn't a warm day. Temperature was about 20 degrees and it was overcast. So um, I realised that Sam Cook is one of those horses sweating in the paddock. Forget it. It's just what he does. Uh, he's back higher in the weights now. I thought that that day, um, because he'd been gradually slipping down the weights, he, he was getting back towards the winner's enclosure. And that's exactly what it proved until he put me off by looking like that in the bravery beforehand. Um, but he has now gone back up in the weights and uh, it, it'll be a bit more difficult this time. But he, he is a horse in form and he's a he's a, a decent sort of uh, mile and a quarter a horse uh, on, on his day but I'm going to go with uh, Aramaic and it, the kind of horse you know William Haggis knows where to place these horses and I'll be hoping that he improves enough uh, to, to beat some pretty battle-hardened trusty handicappers here but I always think I'm taking a bit of a chance of more on potential than on actual ability, but he has, you know, he's, he's won a couple of races now. Well, and I'm going to give him a chance. Yeah, but he's, he's four to one. So why wouldn't you? It's not like you're talking about a six to four shot. So I, I, I completely agree with you and I can, you know, he does look like he's horses on an upward curve. Um, quick question for you about one who's making his comeback. We haven't seen him for 457 days and that's King Leonidas, uh, who, obviously was trained by John Gosden, now trained in partnership with his son, Thady, as they made it official. Uh, and James Doyle booked for the ride as well. He cost an absolute fortune. And we saw a, a John Gosden horse making his... Um, so King Leonidas is coming back as a four-year-old. That in itself, to me, is intriguing. And the fact that they've decided to come for the, the free handicap, which is you know, it's worth a few quid, and it's been won by some decent horses over over the years. But... Um, Yes, he's intriguing. Yeah. Um, I would just say that so far he he hasn't run in a race like this and therefore I, I can't compare that with this one and say that's what he does well. And so I think he might do it again. Uh, but what, what was he ran pretty well in the jersey last year at uh, Royal Ascot. He'd won a race at Newmarket before that. Mm. He's now running over a mile and a quarter though for the first time up in trip and there were just too many question marks against him. But <laughs> the, the fact that John and Thady Gosden have decided to bring him back in this race uh, here at Newbury, uh, a mile and two furlong handicap, means that they think that that's exactly what he will be good at and maybe what he would have been doing if he hadn't had that break. You know, just because he ran over seven furlongs in a mile last year doesn't mean to say that he wouldn't have been over a mile and a quarter by the end of the season. So, yeah, he, I think he adds a touch of spice to this race. Um, but I don't like the 457 days absence either. Yeah, that's I don't the, think he'll be unfit, but I just don't like it when a horse has been off for that long. That's the, the real thing about this horse is how does, why has he been off the track for the length of time that he has been? Um, what does it, what does it mean in terms of his, uh, his training? Like has, is he just one of these horses who is incredibly difficult to, to get spot on? Um, but I think it's intriguing that they've decided to keep him in training and bring him back as a four-year-old. Um, not as though the owner's stuck for a few quid, uh, you know. That, <laughs> all that Dubai, Dubai, Dubai oil money—it's uh—it's it's, it's there. It's there to be spent. But a kingman out of a Galileo mare, um, he'll at least be worth watching on his comeback. Um, uh, first run since Royal Ascot last year, as uh, Lee was was alluding to, and and that was his first run in the year as well. So uh, he's yeah. still an entire horse. He's a colt still, so yeah. he hasn't been gelded. So further down the line, are they thinking, yeah, we can still make a real racehorse out of this one? Yeah, they obviously think they can send him to Jarley at some point. So we'll mm. we'll we'll see how that plays out. But for you, I think Aramac is a very good shout, uh, King of Clubs, and um, King Leonidas for the. Combination exacta, maybe, possibly. If you want to, if you want to play a, it, it's not a yes, yeah. Well, it's saying makes sense to me. It's not a race from a, a predicting point of view that fills me with huge confidence. 
And I have yeah. sort of taken a bit of a punt here uh, with the haggis horse, something I, I don't normally do because I do actually like to see evidence that a horse is good enough to win a particular kind of race. I don't mind if it's come down the handicap, it's been a bit out of form and now it's coming back up the handicap or whatever. But this this is a new challenge for, for Aramac and I'm, I'm hoping that he'll be up to it. So uh, the confidence levels, are, I won't say they're low, uh, but they're not maximum in this race. All right. But I, I think he'll go extremely well. I'd, I'd be surprised. William Haggis, I think, is one of the best places of a horse in the country. You know, he he never tilts at windmills. He doesn't um, stick a horse in a race. You know, if he puts a horse, for example, in a group race, it's good enough to run in a group race. Absolutely. He's, he's not a trainer. He'll just stick it in there and hope for the best. So the fact that he's put um, uh, Aramak uh, in this race and a, a, a very competitive Mile and a quarter handicap at Newbury suggests that he thinks it's good enough to, to put up a very good show and, and could even win. Guy's an absolute genius. And speaking of wanting to see evidence, if there's a race, maybe you're at work and uh, maybe you're doing what um, Lee and I are doing, uh, working from one another's homes. Uh, it's not that I'm in Lee's home and he's in mine. Uh, you know, <laughs> Lee's in his home and I'm in mine. I didn't think your sofa was very comfortable, Emmett, so <laughs> can you get some new cushions? How dare you? That's one of the most comfortable sofas in the world. I'll have you, you know. I'll have you know. I'm always, I'm always the recliner chair, man. Um, the, um, the ability to live stream any race you want would be pretty useful for you. And that's exactly what Tote give you. You can live stream any race in the UK or Ireland without having to place a bet, just as long as you've deposited money into your account once. That's fair, incredibly fair, particularly when Tote also have the Tote Guarantee, which also applies to Irish and UK race meetings. It's where the Tote win bet will be settled at the higher of the Tote dividend or the starting price, as regulated by the Starting Price Regulatory Commission, might I add. Uh, terms and conditions apply, and um, batteries are not included. And Tote Plus, as well, if you are deciding to place a bet on that race that you're going to live stream, well then Tote Plus, you got to be with Tote, because you're getting 10% on top of your winnings. Tote Plus bets are settled at a value which is 10% bigger than your standard tote dividend. There you go. We're, get, we're giving you the gravy. Lee McKenzie is coming on here to the final Furlong podcast to give you the weekend gravy and tote will add to it with 10% in addition to who's going to win the Virgin Bet Air Gold Cup Handicap 340 uh, live on ITV and on Racing TV. And this, my friend, is a proper head scratcher. Or is it? Mm. Or is it? Uh, so it's wide open betting. Uh, tell us who you've come down on. All right. So uh, this is not who I've come down on, but here's our old mate Summerhand. We love him, don't we? Yeah, we do. We're tipping up and um, Stewart's Cup. Uh, at Glorious Goodwood, I thought he ran well there. He, he he came from behind. He didn't get a run in the last furlong and a half of the race, and he ran extremely well just out of the first ten or eleven, which doesn't sound great. But I thought he was a a real eye catcher there. Uh, he he went on to win next time at a big price in a, a hot race. They put him in the Group One last time, didn't they? He's not really a Group One horse, but I think it was worth having a go because he is a grand campaigner be carrying big weight of 10 stone one i wouldn't rule him out again but was uh, it a, i'm gonna was look it a bit too soon though mate yeah i wondered yeah it, it might have been i think he's the sort of horse and remember that he beat oxted early in the year who is a group one horse yeah and um i think on his day you know he's the kind of horse that's capable of carrying massive weights in really hot handicaps like this and uh, that we should never underestimate him uh, mm. even when he's against the very best so uh, well done somehow for another great season at the age of seven but I'm, I'm going to go against you this time I do know that Ed Walker I spoke to him earlier today yep. a great ambassador he really loves he thinks this, this horse uh, is exceptional he was a bit worried about the draw when I spoke to him though a stall one on the far rail he said he would prefer to have been elsewhere on the track but as we were saying earlier 
with the draw, I think the best time to assess the draw is after the race is over, isn't it? Which is not, it's not going to be any help to us at all. But um, but I, I did note that he he did sound a little bit down about having stall one. I think his other horse, Popmaster, is another one who's who's got uh, potential to win a race like this, Holly Doyle on board, Blinker for the first time. But I'm going to go right to the bottom, nearly to the bottom, Ostilio. Uh, Billy Garrity riding for Paul Midgley, of course, he's a specialist sprint trainer, isn't he? And nearly all of his horses run over five and six furlongs. And that Beverly bullet race that we uh, talked about a few weeks back, Emmett. And I tell you what, this horse put up a really eye-catching performance there. Slowly out of the stalls, he tried to work his way through up the far rail and he was really motoring at the finish. Now, okay, different kind of race. We're six furlongs today and he hasn't actually got an enormous track record over six furlongs, but he has run over seven, fine. And that run at Beverly last time out on the the, uh, sprint course over five furlongs there, I, I think that that was a perfect prep run uh, for the Gold Cup at Air. And if you haven't seen that race, it is worth looking at, at how he runs. He makes up a lot of ground in the closing stages. Uphill finish at Beverly, of course. No doubt that he uh, would stay six furlongs because he's done seven in the past. And if you go back to his uh, previous race, he uh, ran in one of these big fields at York. And I thought he ran pretty well there too to, to finish ninth. I think today, uh, um, when he when we get to Saturday, today will be the day. And I think you can expect a, a big run from Ostilio. So he's going to be my selection there. I think Ostilio on his last three runs has been, well, this will be, his, uh, his third run, has been tipped on the Final Furlong podcast because uh. he was put up at a wild price and was backed into 12s and then before the off went all the way back out to 40s. Um, in the end, he was beaten three and a quarter lengths, but he finished ninth. And um, he was very well backed uh, in the Beverly Bullard as well after being put up on the show again uh, where he finished fourth, but it was fourth of 11. Um, so Astilio... You always won. You don't really, Estilio. You don't. Uh, it also intriguing <laughs> that he's still a full horse by new approach mm. of Mark of Esteem. Um, I, I I wouldn't disagree at all. I think he's got a, a massive chance. I also think that this is the kind of race where you want to be... Like, okay, the 72 favourite took this race last year, but 28 to 1, 28 to 1, uh, 11 to 1, 10 to 1, 20 to 1, 16 to 1 winners in the last few years. Um you want to be looking for something that's going to be a bit of value. And with that in mind, I've got, I've got a couple. I've got two, to be completely exact about it. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm going to talk myself out of one. I need to cop on to myself. I need to cop on and not be placing any... No, I'm going to do it. Uh, yeah, Kevin Kevin Ryan's Hey Jonesy. One more chance. One more chance, uh, Hey Jonesy. But Snazzy Jazzy is the one I like. Um, at, a, at a... I think he's about 20s. I think he should be able to get a little bit bigger than that. Yeah, Drawn in the middle, he's in 14. Um, Laura Pearson claims three, and that's very valuable. Um, he's carrying nine stone four, and... Uh, Look, this is very, very open. Um, he completely uh, bombed out earlier in the season at Ascot on soft ground. But when he races on good, he was only three and a quarter lengths behind Winter Power at a big price. Uh, three lengths off Tis Marvelous, three lengths behind Copper Knight at York. I know people might argue, was that not a good runner or, or that? Oh, Sheen Murphy said he shaped pretty well that day, actually. Um, so I think Snazzy Jazzy is worth a, another go. And interestingly enough, he's still a full horse at the age of six. Mm. So we're, we're both going for the full horses. There's the exacta. Ostilio and Snazzy mm. Jazzy, the full horses uh, in, in the Air Gold Cup. That's, that's, that's a big exacta. That's- and your horse, Snazzy Jazzy, actually finished two places ahead of mine in that race at York that I was talking about. That's right. So they, they've got similar kind of recent form. I think Snazzy Jazzy actually won this race, didn't he, about three years ago? Yeah. And so he's got form on the course, but it was pretty soft that day. But um, I think um, he was on my shortlist, actually. I know his form figures are, they look uninspiring, but he's just the sort of horse to pop up at a 
decent price at a race like this. So I think he's one of the more likely ones. Um, he's drawn in the middle, isn't he? He's drawn 14. Yeah. And which gives um, his uh, jockey, Laura Pearson, options. And um, the fact that she's riding it and um, she's well worth her £3 claim, uh, I think uh, enhances his chance. So Snazzy Jersey, yeah. He, he was in my four or five, uh, so I'm not going to disagree with you. And as for Hey Jonesy, yeah, it, surely one day he's going to pop up in another one of these. Um, and I've been waiting a long time, but uh, you, you don't win one of these and then not win another one sometime later in your career. It's just a case of when it's going to be, isn't it? And um, I, I think uh, that they're, they're too good what I would call a stick your neck out selections and go for something that's not absolutely obvious on recent form. But when you look a bit further into it, you, you can see why they might do it. Yeah. Yeah. He was only beaten two and a half lengths by Rohan. I know he, again, he finished, uh, he finished sixth uh, at Ascot. Um, his last two runs, he, he's bombed out uh, at Pontefract. Um, but again, then only beaten five lengths uh, at Goodwood on, on the soft ground. And I think, the better ground suits him. I think good ground suits it's, it's, Hey Jones. I, I think, yeah, good ground. I agree with you. Mm. Um, it is odd, though, that when he won the Wokium last year, and OK, it was a very close finish, that and I was expecting him then to show up in similar races later on. This is last year. He went to the Stewards Cup and and then onto the um, Air Gold Cup after that and just didn't feature at all. Nope. He's been beaten a long way. You know, he's right in the ruck in both of those races. And yet on the face of it, they're the same race as the, the Wokey. I mean, ascot has got an uphill finish and Goodwood's sort of largely downhill and airs flat. But uh, at the same time, I would have expected more. I suspect he's just one of those slightly unpredictable uh, six furlong, high class six furlong sprinters. You never quite know what to expect, but you can't you can't win one of those races and have no ability. They, they, there must be potentially another race like that in him somewhere, mustn't there? Because um, while a, a good horse can run below par, not just once, but five, six, seven times, um, a, a bad horse can't seriously run way above its level of ability to, to win a race at Royal Ascot. So, yeah, I'm waiting. Come on, hey, Jonesy, I'm waiting for you. Could, cool, could this? Master. Yeah. I know that there is, after a while, you do run out of patience, don't you? And then, <laughs> of course, that's the moment when it when it finally wins, isn't it? The first day, <laughs> first, first day in two and a half years, you haven't had a cheeky fiver each way on it, and it, and it bolts up in a 25-runner handicap. Oh, if there was a, if you could have seen seen my face on talk sport last year when he won at royal ascot as i would try to just keep cool and be like yeah what a performance he's just beaten Summerhand. i mean he's you know he's he's had the potential while inside i was going oh my god <laughs> <laughs> absolutely killing me uh, snazzy jazzy by the way he took the silver cup a couple of years ago but um I, yeah, I just I, right. I, he's still my number one. He would be the one I'd be having the the bigger bet on. Uh, in terms of potential future stars, uh, well, Kevin Ryan is going to be involved in this one again as well, and uh, a horse who has run very well against a horse who was largely consistent all season until his last run, when he was extremely disappointing. Uh, Lucille and um, Giza Sob is the horse in question with James Doyle on board, but Dabab, I think is the horse that most people will be talking about. Uh, Rab Havlin in for John and Teddy Gosden. Obviously, Frankie Dettori has gone uh, to Canada. What's that all about? Uh, to ride for Godolphin. So, um, Rab Havlin's having a, a great time of things this week. Uh, Gubas for Richard Hannon and Sean Levy, uh, who's a horse that many people rate much higher than his form so far. I think the time from France last time out was, was quite good. Um, Fearby for Edward Bethel and PJ McDonald, and uh, then you're looking at the likes of Wings of War for Clive Cox, who uh, we know from uh, Lucy is a horse that Clive thinks the world of, and um, he was only just beaten uh, at York uh, in a meeting that we covered on Talksport Two by uh, by Ever Given, but was then subsequently beaten uh, at Kempton as well. So. Your thoughts on the final race mm. recovered, my friend? Yeah, I, I do agree. Wings of War. And I thought he would run really well in that sales race at York that you mentioned. And he finished third. He, he was one he of three a pulled a long way. Yeah. He ran an excellent race, but disappointing that he couldn't go on from there and win next time. I think the Mill Reef is a very hit and miss race. You know, every now and then it produces a, 
a really good horse. So we were talking about Ribchester, weren't we, on Talksport Two yeah. this week? Recent won gold. The 2015 running. Yeah. Now he was a seriously good multiple Group One winner in waiting. I remember when he finally made it to the lock-in. So I've never been so certain the horse was going to win a race. And um, amazingly, I got that right for once because he, of course he, did. he did win the You're lock-in. Lee McKenzie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, you, you know what it's like, Emmett, when you really fancy a horse and then it gets beaten. My job is also to analyse why it got beaten. And believe me, I've done a lot of analysing <laughs> yeah. like that over the years. We all have, mate. Um, we all have. <laughs> so, but, um, and then Harry Angel, of course, won, won the lock-in the following year. And, and not the Lockings, the Mill Reef the following mm. year. And then he turned out to be a, an extremely good sprinter the following year. So it can produce um, uh, milers, it can produce uh, sprinters, but it's not reliable, I think, as a, as a guide to next year. Sometimes you get horses that run uh, and win the Mill Reef and uh, the, the next year they can be really disappointing. And I found this hard. Um, I'm going to go with Govus, uh, Richard Hannon, Sean Levy. I think on balance, it's probably just got the best form in the race that we've seen so far, he's not exactly the kind of, of horse that I would uh, uh, expect to be tipping in the Mill Reef because I'd be looking more for a, uh, one that has run a couple of times, maybe running in um, uh, some of the similar races uh, that, that build up uh, to this. I'm thinking of things like the Jim Crack, for example, where funnily enough, Ribchester ran before uh, he went on to, to the Mill Reef. But I've gone with Garbas. He won the um, Newbury Super Sprint, didn't he, earlier uh, in the summer? Yeah. And he's run pretty well in his two races since. So although I think he's not, for me, a, a, a typical type of horse that I would uh, tip in the Mill Reef, I think his form is good enough to feature prominently. And I think he's got a sporting chance of winning it. So I'm going to go with him. Okay. Um, I am going to back uh, Dabab. And um, part of the reason why I'm going to do this is because uh, I really like Masakela. Uh, he's a horse that um, our good friend Oshin Murphy gave me for Royal Ascot. He was adamant he was going to run a big race. Thing is, I'd already spoken to Aidan O'Brien, and he was saying, Point Lonsdale, this horse is working really well. Interesting the Point Lonsdale done for the season, as I was saying earlier on. So... Uh, Clearly, Aiden's got something for the Fertum Futurity. John Dance, coming your way soon. You better be watching What If on uh, uh, Disney Plus, by the way, because uh, if you're not, I'll be coming around. Um, but the the horse that um, Masakela beat uh, when he subsequently won after finishing behind uh, Dabab, um, when, um, so, but, sorry, Dabab was third. Uh, Masakela was second and Native Trail won. This was the uh, superlative stakes. And uh, Masakela subsequently went on and um, beat Bayside Boy, who has come out and beaten what looked to be the unbeatable Queen's horse, Reach for the Moon. And of course, Native Trail uh, has gone on to pretty much frank the form by beating, in impressive style, by beating uh, Aidan O'Brien's Point Lonsdale, the previously unbeaten. Royal Ascot winner, so I I can't get away from him. And look, I know he's a he's a boring selection to go for because he's the seven to four favorite for the race. But oh, you can get two to one. Oh, <laughs> fill your boots. <laughs> two to one with the bab. Fill your boots. Uh, I re- I really like him. I think he's got a big big future ahead of him, and um, I hope that he can go and uh, and win the race. But I. I would greatly respect uh, Gubas, and particularly based on um, some of the the info from France that I, I got. Um, uh, apparently, he'd, he'd run much better in Deauville than people were giving him credit for at the time. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't be. I don't think trainers take their young horses to um, to Deauville without thinking that they are pretty good, because we know the quality of the racing there, don't we? And mm. um, uh, and I think when you go there, you, you, you know you're not just going to be taking on the, uh, the, the Brits that have gone over and the Irish horses that have gone over. But you're going to be taking on some of the best of the French as well. So although actually in that race this year, uh, there were rather a lot of British runners in that race. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had Richard Fahey, Alan King, Richard Hannon, 
had a couple and the, the French horses were all, uh, apart from the, the runner up, were were well back. But uh, I, I think when a trainer takes a horse today, OK, it's a brilliant day out. And maybe they just want a day eating croissants in the, the square with the fountains for breakfast. Maybe that's just what the trainers want. But I do like to think this because they think their horses have got a, a decent chance of winning in a, in a high class race. And I've been to Dover many times in recent years and the, it's a beautiful experience, but the quality of the racing is excellent as well. It is, to be fair. No, I, I think the speed figure he put up that day was was immensely impressive, apparently. So, um, so, so I'm told by people who know these things, and um, on the official ratings, he's he's rated higher as well. So, um, I wouldn't put you anybody off, uh, Gubas, but for me, it'll be Debab. I think he's got a, a lot of um, scope about him. He's a known name, never out of a master craftsman mare, and um, I think that the fact that they've waited for the Mill Reef with him is an interesting move from Jonathan Gosden, uh, who will be no doubt hatching a plan for this horse. And I think that plan may very well come off, but we'll see. Uh, impressive on debut, ran into Berkshire Shadow uh, at Ascot. Um, nothing wrong with uh, being beaten by him. He's held the form up all season, uh, winning at Goodwood and then running a fine race at York. And um, if you bump into Native Trail, who then goes on and wins the national stakes, there's not a whole lot you can do about that, is there? Uh, what is your best bet of the weekend, my friend? I'm going to go for Ostilio in the Air Gold Cup at 340. This time last year, you know, he was rated 108 and he's now down to 96. And I thought that run at Beverly last time out over a trip that is short of his best. I don't think he's the kind of horse that I would normally look for in a race like this because I, I, I normally uh, look for the ones that run in races like the Stewart's Cup and the Wokium and maybe in this race before. But that looked to me like the finishing touches were being put to Ostilio's challenge for the Air Gold Cup this year. And he's beautifully handicapped. He's ready to win. So Ostilio for me in the 340 at air. I absolutely love the bullishness. The bullishness <laughs> from this man. He, he only has the other 24 runners to beat, Emmett. That's it's all. It's as simple as that. It's just yeah. 24 <laughs> runners. What are you worried about? It's going to be It's going to be fine. It's going to be so simple. Um, Can we uh, revisit that around about 3.45 on Saturday and <laughs> see whether it was that simple? <laughs> well, if it is, if it does turn out to be that simple, then like there should be like a round of applause just should go up at every race course in the UK and Ireland, um, have you if you've managed to to pull that one off? By the way, and uh, it'll have to get a mention on on Monday's show as well with um, uh, a trainer joining Kate Tracy and myself on on Monday's show. So we should be having a, a bit of fun there. Um, have I bought myself enough time uh, for the for the best bet? Uh, I'd actually would strongly advise people to be watching racing TV or if you can go and the weather holds up and it's, it's a reasonably nice day in Kilkenny today. I've relocated from Cork to Kilkenny today. Um, I'm very much looking forward to seeing Adonis uh, run for Adonis run for um, Jessica Harrington, who is just on fire, literally. Um, send around the fire brigades to Jessica Harrington's place because it's ridiculous how many winners she sent them in. And uh, the Niarcos family, who are having a great time with things as well. Uh, Shane Foley on board. Uh, he runs in the 210 at Goran Park. Um, he sh should have learned enough now to go and win. And his form ties in with Point Lonsdale as well. So I think that he'll be well worth seeing in the flesh uh, for Jessica Harrington. And um, my best bet is boringly. Will it be boringly to Bab, or will I go? Will I go elsewhere? Will I? Will I? If it wins, it won't be at all boring. I, I'm going to say headmistress then at threes. I think the Jerline's three to one headmistress, and um, right now you can get two to one about about Dabab. Um, so in that case, then you've got your patent. So the the patent is uh, Ostilio, Dabab. And um, headmistress, there you go, done and dusted. Simple as that. That's, Simple as that. That's Saturday sorted, and we'll see you in Dubai very soon. Uh, I will see you on the radio, uh, which of course makes perfect sense uh, next week, my friend, on uh, Talk Sports Two. And until then, um, pleasure as always, my friend. 
Thank you very much for joining us in the final four line. Indeed, uh, Emma, it's been fun as ever it is. And, and just uh, all has to complete. The perfect weekend now is for all of our horses to win. Uh, but somehow those perfect weekends don't come along very often, do they? But uh, I think we picked some good ones there today, so I'm looking forward to seeing them run. I'm looking forward to it as well. I think there's some decent horses there now. I think we've got some, I think we've got a good chance of getting the gravy poured. Um, <laughs> on Monday, we will be joined by Nico de Boinville and Mick Fitzgerald to pay tribute to the great... Altior and what a fantastic story that Mick Fitzgerald is taking Altior in as well and he and his wife Chloe will be looking after him um, for many years to come uh, a brilliant racehorse uh, retired this week by Nicky Henderson so we'll chat to uh, Nico and to Mick Fitzgerald about uh, the great days on the track and about uh, his retirement and uh, Kate Tracy is here then with the, the trainer we're bringing a trainer on for the first time as in it's this trainer's first appearance on the show so we're looking forward to that as we review the weekend's action and talk about some of the big stories in racing as well hopefully you can join us for that uh, until monday enjoy yourself have a great weekend we'll chat to you soon the final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by tote think you can't get better value think again 10 percent bigger dividends when you bet direct with tote plus at tote.co.uk